Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. You understand that literally and truly, though everything that the enemy may throw against you, God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign over all of his creation. And his love for you continues to express itself in mighty and powerful ways. Even though you might think that again, the world is falling apart and at this present time in your life, it might be but God is still God. It's funny how life doesn't work out as we plan. We have grand ideas or dreams, and instead, God leads us in a completely different direction. It may feel like God is actually thwarting your plans or standing in the way of your dreams, but maybe that's because God's plan is bigger and different than yours. In today's message, Pastor David encourages us with the truth that God is sovereign and in control of all of his creation. Relax in his love and let him lead you in the way he desires you to go. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 23 as he begins his message, Ah, but God. Apostle Paul had come to Jerusalem. He was finishing his third missionary journey. He had come to bring a mission report to the church there in Jerusalem, also to bring some financial gifts to the church there in Jerusalem. We find out that while he was there, he found out that many in the church there in Jerusalem, they were still very zealous for the law because you see, the church in Jerusalem was made up primarily of Jews who had come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And so this idea of being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that's how they were saved, just like the Gentiles were. But for some reason, they had been drawn back to the law. And so the leaders there at the church in Jerusalem felt that Paul, in order to kind of appease the situation and the desire of these believers that were so tied into the law, they wanted him to go and help four young men fulfill a vow that they had made. And so in order for him to do that, he had to go to the temple. And in order for him to go into the temple, he had to go through a cleansing or purification ceremony because of the law. And so Paul did that willingly. And while he was there on the temple grounds, again, just being usable vessel for the Lord, that's when Jews who had seen him in Asia with the Gentiles recognized him. And because he had been traveling with Gentiles, they figured that he had probably brought some of these Gentiles onto the temple grounds, and that's when the riot broke out. 
And in the midst of that riot, we've read and we've seen over the last couple of weeks that Claudius Lysias, the commander of the garrison of the Roman forces there in Jerusalem, who are housed there at the Antonio Fortress, right next to, right a part of and attached to the temple grounds, brought his forces down, rescued Paul from, again, that riot, that mob that was going to kill him. And so right now we find that Paul is in that uh, protective custody there on the Antonio Fortress grounds. The very thing that the, the Jews had been trying to do was to destroy him. The very thing that they wanted to do was quiet the message and the messenger. They would have done it. Ah, oh, but God, but God. I love that phrase. Rather, it is written out, and we see that actually throughout the word many times, but God, or we see just the situation that things were going this way, but God intervened. God intervened. Your life this morning might be in absolute turmoil. I want to give you this word this morning, these two words, but God, but God. You, you may have messed up your life so bad, you have absolutely no idea what way to turn. Here's these two words, but God. The enemy of your soul may be sending every weapon in his arsenal against you, but God. Hold on to that thought. You know, the psalmist experienced that very same thing, and he wrote to us in Psalm 46. He writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, and then he inserts this little word, Selah. And the whole idea and the thought behind Selah is to pause, consider, meditate on that, to think what those words mean, that God is our refuge. God is our strength. Even though the whole world might be falling apart, even though uh, the, the stability of your life you feel is, 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 is shaking so powerfully this morning. Understand that God still is our refuge. God still is our strength. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. For the Apostle Paul, as we look particularly at this section of the book of Acts, his help came from God, but it came to him through some mighty strange vessels. It came to him right here by way of a pagan, a Gentile, the Roman commander, Claudius Lysias. Claudius used the Roman forces here to rescue Paul from this Jewish mob that would have killed him. But you need to remember, Claudius, as we've looked at before, he's no friend of Paul's. He's no friend of the Christians. He's no friend of the Jews. Claudius is all about Rome. And again, God still used him. God was able to work through this pagan to get his glory and to get his perfect will accomplished. Paul was under, now under Roman protection. Right in the middle of the night, while he's there under Roman protection, he's there in the Antonio Fortress, the Lord speaks to him. We're in the book of Acts, we're in chapter 23, as we've been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 23, beginning down in verse 11. The Lord comes to Paul while he's, yes, arrested, but in essence, it's protective custody. Verse 11 of chapter 23, the Lord comes to him and says, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now, you've got to understand that for Paul, this was a pretty positive assurance that, number one, he's not going to die by hands of the Jews in Jerusalem. He's not going to stay uh, uh, imprisoned or protective custody in Jerusalem. God is assuring him he is going to Rome. No matter what the devil might try, no matter what his enemies might try, Paul is going to be able to go to Rome. The enemy had some schemes that, that were going on for sure. There were some evil schemes. We're going to look at that in a minute. Ah, but God. God comes and changes things. Are you getting the picture yet? Do you understand that literally and truly, though everything that the enemy may throw against you, God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign over all of his creation. And his love for you continues to express itself in mighty and powerful ways. Even though you might think that, again, the world is falling apart, and at this present time in your life, it might be. But God is still God, and he will do his work. He will have his way. Even when the enemy's plans are done in secret, God reveals them through the light of his presence, gang, and nothing can stand against him. Still in Acts 23, look down in verse 12. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together, and they bound themselves under an oath. And I love that word, they bound themselves. They put themselves in chains, in essence. They bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Now, there were, there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great oath that we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Now you, therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought, that Paul be brought down to you tomorrow as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. You got any enemies that are ready to kill you? I know of one. The enemy of your soul. The hatred of these guys is absolutely amazing when you think these are supposed to be religious rulers and leaders of the day. What happens here is this is what's called a religious hatred. It's fed by prejudice, which we looked at last week. It's fed by pride that, again, once pride comes in, man, the, nothing else makes sense. Reality and the truth and the plan and purpose of God are, are, are pushed to a side once pride takes a hold of our lives. These men bound themselves to an oath. They were neither going to eat nor drink till they killed Paul. Well, these guys must have gotten pretty hungry because Paul lived for years after this. You look at these guys, and though they were leaders and rulers of Israel, they didn't have the same mind as God. That type of hatred, that type of, of venom that was pumping through their heart, it, that, that was the heart and that was the mind of the devil, not from the heart of God. I just want to reaffirm to you today that our God's heart, his mind, is a heart of reconciliation and redemption and not destruction. Our God is for 
reconciliation and redemption and not destruction. And you might say, yeah, but what about all those evil people? You've got to balance that out with the reality of what the Word of God declares, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal or everlasting life. Our God is a God of reconciliation and redemption. But these religious men, again, long ago, they, they, they had left the heart of God, and they're now serving the evil one. Oh, but God, but God. Nothing is hidden, but that won't be made known and brought to light. Look down in verse 16. So when Paul's sister son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. And then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, take this man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. And so he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. And then the commander took the young man by the hand, went aside and asked privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not yield to them for more than 40 of them lie in wait for him. Men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they're ready. They're waiting for the promise from you. So the commander let the young man depart. He commanded him saying, tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. You got to stop right now. Do you realize that for some time now, God had preordained even this event? You say, well, why would you say that? How did his nephew get at the right place, at the right time to hear this and to be able for Paul to be in such a situation, even though he was under the protective custody of the Antonio Fortress, he was able to speak to his nephew. His nephew was able to come in, speak. He had the ability to call the centurion and say, hey, this young man has something to say to the commander. Would you bring him to him? And that was all able to come about. Beloved, God knows what's going on in your life right now too. Nothing that's going on in your life takes him by surprise. Absolutely nothing. Our God who knows tomorrow and today and yesterday in the fullest of extent, and he is working his purposes and plans out. And yeah, even in times in your life and in my life that we don't like what's going on. And it's not comfortable and it's not good. But yet for us to understand and know that God is working all things together for good, for those that love him, for those that are called according to his purposes. And we see his plan already being worked out. Was it a coincidence that his nephew just happened to be there? No, not at all. It is what I call a God incident. A God incident where God intersects lives and he's weaving this tapestry together of his plan, his purposes, and his will. We don't know any more about this nephew than what we read here. It does say that it was Paul's sister. We also know that uh, 
Paul's father was a Pharisee. He tells the Sanhedrin that he's uh, the son of a Pharisee. He's a Pharisee of a Pharisee. He's the son of a Pharisee is what he told the Sanhedrin uh, earlier on here in the book of Acts. We don't know, but maybe uh, when Paul was younger, maybe they moved from Tarsus where he had lived down to live in Jerusalem because we also know that Paul was raised, uh, taught at, at the feet of Gamaliel, that, that Jewish rabbi that was so popular and honored among Judaism during that time. So Paul is familiar with what's going on here. Perhaps his family was there. Perhaps when they moved there, his sister, maybe she found a nice Jewish boy. Who knows? <laughs> Married him and then he became a, maybe he's one of the Pharisees. Maybe they're Christians in secret because there were many during that time because of the fear of the Jews that, uh, again, they, they kept secret. We don't know, but whatever the case, somehow the scheme of these assassins had been made known to Paul's nephew. He came to share it with Paul, and then it was able to go and bring that to Claudius Lysias, the commander of the Antonio Fortress. And now he has the whole garrison of these pagan Roman soldiers that are protecting Paul. You gotta love the plan of God, even when we don't understand it. He's using all these pagans to surround Paul and to protect him. So as the nephew goes to Claudius, the commander, again, he makes that uh, statement, don't, don't tell anyone, but then he moves decisively and very quickly. Look in verse 23. He, Lysias, called for two centurions, saying, prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night. That's at nine o'clock at night. And provide mounts for Paul to set on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Now, just a little bit of history here. If you are a Roman centurion and your commander says, I want you to bring this prisoner safely to this place, guess what you're going to do? You're going to make sure that he gets safely to where he goes. Otherwise, it's going to be your head, okay? Now, I'm not real sharp in math. Some of you know that. So I had to get my calculator out and figure this all out. But by the time you add 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen, you have 470 trained Roman soldiers around the Apostle Paul to keep him and to protect him. Now, again, we need to stop, look at this real quick. At first, we see more than 40 of these assassins, these Jewish assassins, were gearing up and aiming to take the life of the Apostle Paul. More than 40 of them. Say, for instance, it's 47. Let's just pick that number. So what are the odds for Paul right now? 47 to 1. I lived a year and a half in Vegas, okay? So the odds are 47 to 1. Not very good odds that these guys who are set on killing you, but, not, but God, but God, Look what happens here. Now God has 470 trained Roman soldiers protecting Paul. What are the odds now? Drop the zero on both of them, the 470 and the 47. It's 47 to one. But God is with that 47. Plus they're trained Roman soldiers. 
God has, man, he's, he's multiplied over what the enemy could do. His work, his plan, his power is so much more than anything the enemy could ever bring up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The enemy may come in like a flood, but beloved, the word tells us that the flood will not overwhelm you. That he will be with you through it. You've got these 40 plus raving lunatic assassins. But you've got 470 trained Roman soldiers that have been given the command, take this man safely to Caesarea. Okay, the Roman commander, he had actually taken nearly half of his forces. Again, the forces there at uh, Antonio Fortress or in Jerusalem would have been around 1,000. We've got 470, about half of those. Now they're leaving at 9 o'clock at night, and they're on this march to go to Caesarea, not quite 100 miles from where Jerusalem is. Look down in verse 25. He actually writes a letter to Felix, the governor. In verse 25, he wrote a letter in the following manner, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to kill, uh, about to be killed by them. But coming with troops, I rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And when I wanted to know the reason they accused him, I brought him before their council. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law and had nothing charged against him deserving death or chains. And when it was told me that the Jews lay in wait for the man, I sent him immediately to you and also commanded his accusers to stand or to state before you the charges against him. Farewell. Now you've got to stop again here. You've got to look at the irony. You've got to look at the humor of what's being written here. Here Claudius Lysias, and again, if you've been with us in this study, you know what happened and why things were going the way they were. He says the Jews tried to kill him, but I rescued him. Well, actually, there was, there was a Jewish riot that was breaking out right under his nose. He didn't come in really to rescue Paul. He came in to squelch the riot. He said, because I learned that he was a Roman. No, that's not why he initially rescued him. Remember, he didn't learn that he was a Roman citizen until after he had tied Paul to a post, getting ready to beat him with the, the scourge. And then Paul said, no, I am a Roman. But it's Claudius Lysias that's, that's writing the letter. So, uh, you know, he's going to show himself in the best of lights. So verse 31 the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. The next day, they left the horsemen to go on with him and returned to the barracks. Well, Antipatris is about 37 miles from Jerusalem. They marched all night. Remember, they left 9 o'clock at night. They marched all night to get to Antipatris. 37 miles normally uh, in a walk. Normal people walk about 20 miles uh, uh, in, in one day, a normal day's walk. You can get that. These guys did 37. Y'all that were in the military know what it is to be called to a, a forced march. You're, you're double timing. You're going to make that time. And so that's what they've done. They did have some horse soldiers, but the rest of them were foot soldiers. They made it to Antipatrius. Then at that point in time, all the foot soldiers, they left, went back to Jerusalem to make sure that Jerusalem was covered and protected. And I would imagine that they probably did a forced march double time, making it back to Jerusalem just for the protection of the city there. While Paul continued on to Caesarea with the horsemen, about another 28, 29 miles. 
Look at verse 33. When they came to Caesarea and had delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers also have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.